You want to watch the movie? Welcome back to, oh, I just completely messed up the introduction right away. What's good, creamers? Welcome back to, <laughs> I just saw Jason's face on the Zoom call. When I say said what's that. good, creamers. That's, okay, I'm going to explain that in a second, okay? We, uh, welcome back to episode two of Aiden's Cinephiles. Uh, today we have, I have two guests with me. One, you all know Vasanth probably, of half yes, podcast fame. And yes, then two, sir. I have Jason Peters of 2100 Podcast Fame and Freelance Reporting Fame. Yeah, fame. Uh, yeah, that's right. Fame. Keyword, fame. You, you are. I, I, I 100% know that you are our most famous guest, Jason. Oh, I yeah, by far. That. <laughs> illustrious. That'll happen. He's illustrious, Aiden. Illustrious, yes, this, Jason this is, Peters. This is big for us, completely. I'll take um, it. Jason, to explain, though, the reason that I say what's good creamers and you're like, you can't why it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's we are the half and half podcast, and there you go. Yep, you, already there. You got it. It clicks. It all. There. It clicks. That's already all it takes. Yeah. Well, so we're the half the, and half podcast, and then the cinephiles is a sub show I do within that. The logo of my podcast, the two thousand one hundred podcast, is a tooth, a house, an and sign, and one hundred. Most people don't get it, and they don't even ask. So, <laughs> so wait, what does that mean actually? Tooth House and 100. Oh. <laughs> Tooth House and 100. Okay, that's clever. I'll give you that. That's impressive. Too. That's a clever design. Yeah. Oh, yeah You're so going Jason, over people's um, heads with that one. It's half the reason I made the show and not what not once has it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, if they listen to this episode, they'll like a whole new world will open up for them. Like we're, like, we're spreading your gospel here. Moment. This might be the first time I've ever said it out loud. So, that's it is great. partially my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Jason, how about you tell us a bit about uh, 2100 Podcast for any of our listeners that might not know Yeah, about let the it. people know. Hey, I got my elevator pitch down to like 40 seconds. I'm going to burn through this. Okay, the 2100 Podcast is a time capsule to the people of the year 2100. is a podcast meant to be listened to by people 80 years in the future. It is a variety show, meaning that every episode is different, and there's a variety of guests from politicians to homeless people to celebrities to athletes. I'm also a writer, a freelance writer for everyone in Philadelphia except the Inquirer and the author of a book, Life of a Giant. Wow, that was good. that was literally I think 37. I'm hiring you on the spot. Yeah, no Jay resume Peters, required. At Jay Peters 2100 on all social media and go to jasonadjacent.com to see what I'm about. <laughs> there you go. Please uh, like and subscribe to this podcast. Yep. Links <laughs> so will yeah, be in the description for all mm -hmm. who are interested. Yeah. So, Jason, we are very happy to have on. Uh, if everything goes well um, and we don't offend you within the next uh, recording <laughs> of this podcast, that's like in a terrible way. Vasant and I should be on the 2100 podcast in certain segments in, in some capacity. Yep. If you manage so. to offend me and get me to leave the Zoom, I'm going to put you in the show. That only makes you more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, that's okay. That makes uh, a very, very confident Offensives. about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vasant just. Vasanth is like the one that's like less afraid to tear into people than me. So like Vasanth, yeah. if Jason says something, you just like get ready to clap. Okay, you just. Go. I, I just I'm gotta be to, mean to him. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of we'll see once we start talking Klaus or Claus, we'll see how Klaus, we feel yeah. about each other. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yes. So 
well, the we are at episode two of the Cinephiles, and we have our first uh, co-hosts, and I'm very happy about that. And this show, um, some episodes I'm going to be on my own. Like I said, some episodes I'm going to bring on guests to talk about movies with me. And for this very special Merry Christmas uh, episode, we Happy have, Holidays, uh, indeed. Yes, and Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, Hanukkah just ended. Shout out to all the... No, I'm not even going to finish that. The Hanukkah celebrators. <laughs> Yeah. Shalom. Is that yeah, a thing they say? Yeah. You're not supposed to say shout out to all the Jews, but uh, <laughs> that's what I was going for, but I was too casual about it. Shout out to my kosher brothers and sisters yes. out the there. Kosher. Yeah. yeah, shout out kosher gig. Uh yeah, so um they uh we have Jason on for now, for today and I have a Santh on with us too. And I have I'm very happy about the reception the show's gotten from the first episode. I've a few people that have reached out to me saying, Hey, I want to be a guest and I want to talk about this movie with you. And I'm like, Great, that's awesome. And you know, like I'm I'm gonna people be killing it. And, yeah, I'm gonna bring them on and I'm good gonna talk to them about it. I'm very excited. And yes, uh sir. like I said, today is our holiday special, and we have a certain movie that we're talking about today. It's Klaus from 2019, an animated yes, movie sir. from Netflix. And uh, to give you guys kind of like a quick little plot summary, it involves a uh, very rich, spoiled uh, postmaster who has about no good traits. Or not postmaster, very bad at his job. Spoiled kid who has no good traits. He's an awful guy. Uh, He goes to the postmaster's academy, which is apparently some sort of big thing in this nation. Mm -hmm. It's apparently like an esteemed position. And his father, who kind of is the. Uh, kingmaker of headmaster or something like that yeah he's got the money where he's kind of the kingmaker (laughs) in this whole thing he sends him to this place i think it was sweensburg right wasn't that what's called sneeze yeah it's like a very sneezeberg something like that swedesburg swedesburg sneezeberg sweden sweenberg yeah sweden (laughs) it's just sweden yeah it's just sweden my first question can i can i start with questions or should i just let you go uh, you can ask him what you want. Yeah, go ahead. Does this yeah, take place on Earth? Ooh, uh, yes, because the alternate reality Earth. It, I think yeah, alternate reality Earth, because the Sami people are a real group of indigenous people in uh. The We're already going to talk about the indigenous people because I feel like there's a lot to talk about there. Jace, I was about to say, this is the part of the movie that, like, I like the movie, and then there's this. I understand what you're like. You're like, no. mm. yeah, this well, was weird. <laughs> I disagree with liking this movie, but whoa, okay, but we'll get there. <laughs> wow, okay, this. Well, we already got a good. We got to have a good discussion, I guess. Okay, yeah, um, it's a rowdy time. Yeah, so the uh, so Smearinsburg. Smearinsburg. He goes to Smearinsburg, which is this awful, desolate place where uh the only person that he can actually have a conversation with is norm mcdonald which like look i, I love me some good norm mcdonald stand up but you don't want to have a you don't want him to be the only person you're <laughs> your sole with. companion yeah that's not a good thing i didn't even realize that this was norm mcdonald until the credits and i'm a, <laughs> I'm a norm mcdonald guy i like norm mcdonald oh i love norm yeah but that character was so unlikable that i <laughs> did not uh, put two and two together that it was famous comedian norm mcdonald oh yeah I, he was I, just like familiarly annoying this man <laughs> it took me about like his like fifth scene to connect the dots because i'd read the cast list before and i went oh that's norm uh so basically it's kind of like uh 
go through this. He's the postmaster, the new postmaster. He go. He's trying to deliver mail. No one wants to. No one wants to give him mail. This is a feuding town. It's like Romeo you're, and Juliet. You're explaining like, it like like someone's gonna hear it and the plot's gonna make sense. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> the problem there's, is that there's too many plots. There is a lot of plots. The going feuding on. town thing, whole other movie. Yes. <laughs> Whatever that was shoehorned. I feel like we started with that. Like the people who made this movie started with that's the, how it uh, opens, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Who are they? They're the the, the the rival clans. And at one point, one point, our 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 uh, our, our protagonist Jespin Jesper, played Jesper, by yes. Jason Schwartzman, goes the clan and points up the hill at a mob running with <laughs> pitchforks and fire. <laughs> and I was like, the clan. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe the messaging well I, I so i found out this was a spanish this is a spanish production company that made this oh. and it's an english movie but it's made by a spanish production company so if they had writers that weren't like well maybe like english wasn't their first language particularly or they at least don't know united states culture yeah they just probably the said term, the, clan. the clan there is no excuse this is this is a movie you know how many people read this script that's true there's definitely an editor who would have been like yeah so clan not the right word choice there maybe tribe Jason Schwartzman is also to blame for that he said it he was like he read the script Jesper looks up the mountain sees pitchforks and fire and goes the clan and then and then they all run he didn't take yeah. his headphones off and go, wait, guys, I don't I don't like that. Can we can I, like, that I, like that. I, I have a question for you guys about the rivaling the rivaling families. Are you yes. more of a crom or an Ellingbow? <laughs> Am I more of a crom or this an Ellingbow? This is a good uh, like first date question. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the woman's team was like the Ellingbow, right? Weren't they like like they had like the woman and the head man of each one? With the crom was the man, right? And then the Ellingbow was the woman. Well, great, great point because they you can't tell the difference at all. <laughs> you can, they I, yeah, always are together in every scene. Yeah. They are all always together, and they are indistinguishable from one another. Except they are, they're both gray. They're skin. They're not white. They're, they're not black. Gray. These are gray. People. They're very depressing looking. But... Yeah, they they look the exact same, and they are always together. And whenever there's like a kid, in like a scene alone you never know which one it is whose kid it is yeah yeah you don't know which apparently mm. no i uh, the the movie has too many things going on we have <laughs> we have a teacher who has given up on teaching and turned the school into a fish shop that's a yes. plot we <laughs> yes, have plot. the rich kid forced by his, his dad dad slash the militarized post office sent to <laughs> colonize <laughs> Sweden. Swedensburg or whatever. This is colonizing Sweden, yes. So here is my um conspiracy theory about <laughs> why the indigenous people were shoehorned into this movie. Mm-hmm. It was just a co- colonial movie before this. Without <laughs> the indigenous people, it is just a, a movie about colonizing an area bringing civilization to it, civilizing the natives. But once you introduce being nice to the indigenous people, you're like, I've muddied the waters enough. 
it's, yeah. yeah, there's bad people on this island. There's good people on this island. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it kind of muddies the too. waters a little bit and makes it a little less of a straight colonizer film. Capitalism brings gifts and toys to a society. <laughs> it brings the school together. It brings the people together. And literally, they start to read. They, yes, they, they learn do. how to, they read. Learn to read. They learn how to write. Like, it is a straight colonizer film until you introduce the indigenous people about an hour into it. The, so to kind of like go through there too. Um, so Klaus is a wood is a woodworker who makes the toys that the postman is delivering to the kids, and he needs to get a certain amount of letters, sixty thousand, to go completely back. Arbitrary to his rich completely yeah, his arbitrary number. Completely arbitrary number. Said, by his dad. Six thousand. He's like he's like all right. You need to deliver sixty thousand. And then he, he wanted like, him oh, to fail okay. though. That's why he did. Well, no, oh, absolutely. He, it's like, definitely one of those things where it's like. Like I do okay, that's another subplot. The the rich son learning humility. That's the other overarching theme of the movie. The Emperor's new groove ripoff. Yeah, man. <laughs> the entire okay, character I, is a ripoff of Couscous. Okay, Especially, I'm happy. I'm happy I'm not the only one that felt that actually, Jason. He definitely again, is. And I, he just doesn't change forms into an animal. He just stays yeah. human the entire time. But. So, like, full, full disclosure, okay? Me and Vasant, we both like the movie. Jason clearly has <laughs> issues with it. I mean, Valid anything's issues. watchable. Yeah, but I will say this, too. I, I completely felt like Emperor's New Grooves vibe coming from it the entire time, particularly with Jasper. I was like, this is Cusco. But Jasper, like, yeah, it's the Cusco. Character. The big difference is... Um, Cusco is likable. I didn't. <laughs> That's fair. There was nothing in Jasper that made me want him to accomplish anything. <laughs> He's he an was asshole. A baby too. A baby, like a bona fide baby. Like I think, my, and my biggest argument I get, and we haven't even gotten to the main part of the film. Not yeah, see, there's way out. too many layers to this it's movie. A Santa origin story. Yes, yes. That is the main thing. It's called Klaus. And and what why are the crumbs and the Ellingbos even in this film? I, I that's what I don't get. Why can't it just be people don't want to mail? Why can't it just be that? Why does it have to be I don't know? There's a warring family issue. <laughs> a war over resentment for the point of resentment. They never yeah, have yeah. a point. That, that really is, I think that also is kind of the point of the resentment though, and like why it's so easily fixable. They hate each other out of spite? Is It's kind of, like, for me, I kind of saw like, um, okay, to give like an example, the Irish and the British American populations in America, right? The Irish Americans start coming. They hate each other because of a feud that happened with their parents and their parents' parents back home and their mm -hmm. home, homelands and such, right? Americans really have no reason to hate other Americans. And eventually, because they because they look the same too, I'm just gonna say that too. <laughs> the British Americans and the Irish Americans eventually kind of become one large white group, right? A group of whites. I think that's kind of similar to the crumb and the yellowing bow thing. And the reason I use British American and Irish American is the obvious, you know, difference between like I can't mm. say, oh yeah, the British Americans and the African American population in the US, that's you know. Perfectly yeah, they just got along. No problem. Nothing yeah, ever happened after it's that. It's pre-homogenizing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's like, I, I see that as one of those things where it's like, okay, there's this old feud that like you personally have nothing to do with. But because you're told that... You're supposed it, to hate like, each other. You're supposed to hate each other. You're given that in your mind. And that's kind of like... Okay, yeah, I see that. It's just, yeah. it's a generational feud where the origin of the feud doesn't even matter anymore. You just hate each other. They didn't even tell us. 
It, it very clearly does not matter because they didn't tell us. This is our introduction to all of these people. And they're just like, we hate each other because we hate each other. And then the battle bell breaks out. And that's like the only time that is ever relevant in the film until yeah. <laughs> later when it doesn't work. But it's only worked I once. I thought the battle bell was going to come back in like the climax somehow because like, you know, Chekhov's battle bell. If you show a battle bell in the first, yeah. you hold on the third. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense, right? Because that'd be a, like a good motif, like make, if especially if they change the meaning of the battle bell to have something to do with the post office or whatever. They but, did a wedding bell at the end, but I'm not sure that was that was, a, that was on purpose. Yeah, but yeah. no, I yeah, the the movie. There's so many little things, but while we're talking about race, um, yes. let's talk about the the nuances of Rashida Jones playing a straight white character. I know that she's half and half, but I was like, that's Rashida Jones. I actually don't, I don't know enough about Rashida Jones to- Rashida so Jones is half like, and half. Her father is famous. Okay. Um, God, what the fuck is her father's name? Her father's name is just, as fam- is just as famous as her. And her mother is, she comes from two famous people. Yeah, is, is she, Maybe. one sec. The Quincy Jones and Peggy Lipton. That's what it is. For Rashida Jones, her Quincy parents Jones. are yeah, yeah, Quincy Peggy Jones. Lipton and Quincy. Oh, I didn't even know Quincy yeah. Jones was her dad. I your father's Quincy, Quincy Jones, and you're playing a white woman named Alva oh, in the North Jones Pole. Is, Rashida Jones is Karen in The Office. Yes. Okay, got it. She's okay. also the writer of Toy Story 3. I is she really? Isn't she, she in shit. Parks and Rec as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's big shit popping. Yeah, I was about to say, wow, she's doing that. She's making. I just couldn't shout out Rashida, because I'm so used to her being a a predominantly dark-skinned woman. She showed up straight up white Nordic, (laughs) and I was like, all right. I mean, I I guess because she's half and half, so she could go both ways. I but I I just once again another befuddling part of the film. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things where like you really want Rashida Jones in the movie because you like her acting, like her voice work. Mm-hmm. But also in the you're in the Nordic region in a time where like and I assume this is way back in time. Like we're probably talking about like fifteen, sixteen. I mean, even I now guess. the Nordic region is and, very, very heavily white. Yeah, they were probably like, we want Rashida Jones, but we can't really fit a character that looks like Rashida Jones. Well, the I thing think. is, it could also be empowering, quote unquote. She's like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm, yeah, I'm half sure. white. Fuck you. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It could it could be empowering. It could be offensive. Who knows? I was confused. That's all I felt. I felt this is what they're giving me. <laughs> you know what yeah, this that's... sets up is a uh, logic is going to voice just a straight up black character in an animated movie, <laughs> and we're all just gonna have to wrangle with the fact that logic what looks movie? white. But his wow. race. What is what? this movie? Well, no, I'm saying be in the movie. it'll oh, set it up because oh. he's already got a book. It's he, it's movies are next. He's a Twitch streamer. Yeah. He's dominating every area Sean of entertainment. Yeah. I, I, you never know. And I get confused with all of that. I, I I stay out of the representation stuff, but I saw the Rashida Jones. I was like, whatever. I guess this is what she's doing. If they're doing it, it must be okay. That's yeah, the thing. Absolutely. It got on the screen. <laughs> they get on the screen. It's not my fault. Um. Yeah, so the, the other interesting part, too. So I want to talk about, let's try kind of like pro and con this. Like, let's try and think, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, aspects of the movie that we thought favorably of, okay? Uh, for me, I, I did enjoy the voice cast a pretty good amount. Yeah, it's a good uh, voice cast. 
Honestly, I, I really like uh, J.K. Simmons as Klaus, even though he doesn't speak that much. It's just J.K. Simmons in anything is J.K. Simmons. He's going to yeah. kill it no matter it's what. J. Jonah Jameson. Also, I'm realizing I've done two episodes of Cinephiles. The first episode is Palm Springs. <laughs> the second one is Klaus. He's in J.K. Both Simmons movies. is in both of those movies. This is do just Whiplash next. J.K. This is yeah, J.K. Simmons podcast. It is. I'm just going to do Whiplash next and then the three Spider-Man movie he's in. <laughs> and then he's coming then back, just, right? He he uh he was in the post credit for home yeah for far from home so probably far from home, yeah. yeah so I thought the voice cast was did a good job it's a um, good voice cast the animation style it was definitely on a lower budget I will say but with what they did I thought it looked it was very pretty charming nice. I thought the way they yeah. used their animation style it was really nice to look at honestly yeah three yeah, I don't this have, is one of those I'm, I'm, I'm this is the pros i'm not gonna yeah. say anything right i'm trying to think of things i liked about this movie all right you take your time three oh, yeah. this is one of the intangible things about a movie that i can't really describe and like the the movie person in me hates that i have to say this is like a pro but it's like i i felt the christmasy spirit of it i'm like ah aiden that's not analytical brain aiden don't do that but i'm it, like i, I would say that magic you know I but felt the Christmas magic. Not even enough Christmas magic. <laughs> they tried to make Christmas magic spooky in the in, in the colonialist. middle of the film. It is implied. It is not said, but it is implied that Santa's magic comes from his dead wife. That's a hundred percent true. Yes, it is at least exactly implied. implied. Yeah, it, yeah, it is implied that his wife is a huge factor in his magical his prowess. His dead wife. His dead is wife the, <laughs> is 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 for some reason a huge subplot. Of She's this quite film. literally the spirit of Christmas. Like that is for for whatever reason. Like the the th- the thing that gives Santa his Christmas magic. Hey, is the ghost do not of his call him wife. Santa. He's called oh, sorry, Santa Klaus. zero times in the film. The <laughs> yes, whole time Klaus. I'm waiting for someone to call him Santa. I guess that's one of those things that, like, um, I think at the end he's supposed to become like because at the end, you know, he becomes yeah. he becomes the spirit of Christmas. Hey, <laughs> I, I know what I I know what I know what they were kind of saying, but they never like they Explicitly never even say he's magic. Yeah, they his wink, dead wife is magic. He's dead. Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> we he's never dead see him end, again yes. after he you know, dies. He dies. He dies. Yeah. Spoiler. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what is Christmas cheery about the origin story and death of Santa? <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> Look, I'll say the ghost this is, visits this is, you and delivers these your presents. These are the things that made me feel that Christmas spirit. Okay, because I think that, and, and this is me thinking out loud here. Yeah, go ahead. The <laughs> what the movie implies is that Santa, he 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 dies at the end, and then he becomes like special magic santa like yes. after the end credits yeah his yes. like christmas spirit or whatever is what shows up and that's why uh well i forget his name already but that's the postmaster that's who he waits Jesper. for Jesper. Yeah, that's who he's waiting for right mm-hmm. that's who he's waiting but we never hope. see him yeah you it's some jesus bells. shit you hear the it is yeah you hear it the is bell. some jesus shit he his, <laughs> his physical form died wink but his spirit <laughs> ascended yeah. And now now we see him once a year. Yeah, yeah that's Santa that's is a it. godly figure, I guess. Yeah, he's some sort of ult, like um ultimate being. Uh, but you're saying like what about like the Christmas like Christmas spirits? Like what gave you that Christmas magic? I'll say this. It's watching the kids 
um, their mm. their reactions. They're all so happy and like you know mm -hmm. they, they went from this miserable little town to this person, this postmaster, and this magical man. They're bringing this wonderful joy into our lives we've never felt with the toys. And I'm like, okay, like my heart, I can't help be like, uh, yeah. I love kids. I and like, that's great to see. The, the then, kids being sweet and cute is yeah. one of the few Christmassy things. Because it, it, like, you think a layer into it and you remember that it's all like, so this rich shithead can go home. Yes, that's the main. That's the main. But then he one. ends up staying. Well, yes. obviously, he has nothing else. <laughs> he has literally nothing else. He's always got the money to fall back on. His dad he gets he won his dad's approval. Why not stay? He yeah. there are no risks at all. There is perfect. no risk in that decision to stay. That is true because he could always go back to his life of uh, <laughs> yeah. There's no his risk. Life of, uh, and it seemed like Santa and all them were moving on without him anyway. They're like, we're, yeah, we're still going to deliver this shit. Santa literally died him. without him. <laughs> That's true. Santa just said, I'm a peace out. Yeah. And then the very ending too, the, um, just like, you know, hearing the sleigh bells at the end and seeing like him set up for Santa and everything that gave me the little Christmas. That was cute. Yeah. That was know, a nice scene. Cute little, that gave me the cute, cute little Christmas feeling. Where I, I need more like, pros out of nice. YouTube. If, if you okay. guys can actually say that you liked this. Cause I, yeah. I couldn't, uh, well, I'll, so things I liked, the kids were cute. Um, yeah, absolutely. I thought good things. No, I didn't, I, I thought structurally it was a mess. I thought visually parts of it looked like screensavers. Um, I thought it was a ripoff of several other movies. Um, no, I, when I saw that this was a, a Academy Award nominated, I was like, okay, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be like too serious. And I was right because I called my sister who has children, and I said, "Have your kids seen Klaus?" Because I thought like this is a big thing, and she said no. And I said, "Why not?" She said, "Because last year something called the Christmas Chronicles came out, and the oh, kids Kurt Russell? love." the Christmas Chronicles, well, but they have no Christmas. interest in Klaus. And uh, yeah, no, that's that's what the kids have to say. And I, I felt like this was not a movie for kids. I, thought I didn't this think was, so either. No, no, yeah, no. like for- It's not a child's movie. That's definitely, that's definitely apparent to me. Yeah, so why include the crumbs and Elling bows? What are we doing? I, oh, no, no, good things, good things. <laughs> I thought there was creative chances taken in the film. Okay. I think I think the fish in the school, I guess, um, that it, it, it takes chances. Yeah, that movie, the movie takes chances. And I guess I respect that it takes chances, but I think that they got a little ahead of themselves. But even if you dig into like why they were selling fish, it's, uh, critiquing it from a socialist perspective it's because the school can't stay open without selling something that school should be funded but uh, it's no, because no one goes okay. there though may, may i say i thought that like i thought that he was going to use his dad's wealth to fix the school at the end or something but then she just she just spent her life savings, the, the teacher character, just fixing this school. Which, by the way, I went, oh my gosh, that's like the life of a teacher in North Carolina. It's like you make twenty five thousand dollars a year, then you put twenty thousand of it into the classroom. 
Yeah, and you, you have to beg parents for Sharpies and sticky notes. <laughs> if I showed this to a North Carolina teacher, they would say it's a horror movie. Like, I feel like I feel like... It's their if life. If you showed this movie to Xi Jinping, he would call it capitalist propaganda. It felt like <laughs> capitalist propaganda as I was watching it. You know, that's... So, the... um. Okay, what other pros did I have about it? Um, I think the Klaus character is definitely, like, if you want to talk the Christmas spirit and all that, that character yes. itself, I think, is very well done. Yes, and e- even Jason's vitamins. Even though he's surrounded by a shithead postman. but yeah. Hashtag not my Santa. I do not like a Santa like that. I don't like a He was very depressed. Santa. Yeah. Oh, he Santa's dead yeah, wife. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not my Santa. He was nice. If I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you. He was he was stoic, and, and I I don't need Santa to be stoic. I need him to be jolly. Because there's a scene after um so the the clans are are coming to attack, and there's a big thing of fake presents. We learn that they're fake presents. Jesper comes back, releases the fake presents. They fall into the sled. Santa. And Jesper falling down the hill, getting chased by everyone. It's like the climax of the film. Yeah. And Santa, arms crossed, completely silent. This is a Christmas movie. Have <laughs> Santa do something. They kept being like, we're sneaky here. Like, you're going to learn why Santa does his stuff. It's the origin story. And then Santa laughs and he goes, oh, oh, oh. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I know that. That, that was on the nose. I will 100% give that. Was that was ridiculous. That was Steps on a floorboard. Jesper scene. flies through a chimney. Chimney. Yeah. Not my Santa. See, something that I did think was kind of uh, cute and charming, though, was the origin of flying reindeer. Which was literally they went down a oh, ramp yeah. and over, and then they were just like they were like crashing to death essentially. But Th- the that's magic the one thing I liked. Child's eyes. Yeah, the, the magic one thing I liked eyes. about the film was them figuring out the lore behind Santa and Jesper mm-hmm. being like, yeah. So they do the cookies. You got to leave out cookies. Yeah. They think you like cookies, and like yeah, because Jesper's like, a terrible person who just wants to take advantage. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, he, he's always cookies. being terrible. <laughs> Yeah. So even the sweet moments in the film come from a bad actor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's weird. Oh, I guess it's realistic what? in that way. No, that is. I actually, that's one of my uh, pros too. I'm happy that you brought it up too. I think that this could potentially teach, and again, I, this isn't necessarily made for kids, okay? But I think you could teach kids with this movie. You might sometimes be in a bad situation but through your own efforts you might be able to make it better because the there's some magic to be gained from it before the postman gets there's there. some positivity yeah and like the thing is like we know that there are kids that come from bad homes and things like that obviously there there are plenty i have friends that have had awful times with parents and things like that of course and um that the idea that like you know this situation isn't always going to be permanent and the fact that you can take steps yourself to maybe improve it and again, I'm not like victim blaming here. Like if you have like abusive parents or something, that's like, you know, a whole different but can of worms. Here's but... my rebuttal. Yes. In this fictional world, which seems to be ran by postmen, <laughs> the child character, the character that you're telling me to empathize with is the son of the postmaster general. Yes. This is like yeah. Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> getting sent to a place. This is 
Mohammed bin Salman's kid. This is Boris Johnson's <laughs> kid. This is Yair Bolsonaro's kid. These are the, that yeah. making the protagonist of the film a rich kid completely sucked me out of it from the get go. And he doesn't really get very humble either, in my he doesn't, opinion. He never is humbled once. He's cr- briefly crying like a fucking baby. And can I ask what the chickens are, are a part of? There's so many oh, yeah, chickens in the background of this movie. Yeah. Never, never, never addressed. I will say, though, Jason, after uh, hearing your podcast a good bit and like uh, knowing your work as like a freelance reporter, when I'd never seen Klaus before this, I saw his Academy Award nominee, and that's why Vasant and I we were talking about, and I, we wound up choosing it. When I saw that the guy was just a spoiled rich kid, I was like, oh, Jason's going to hate this. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. I was like, I couldn't, we're gonna I couldn't empathize with Jason's him once. Hate this guy. Like, and so, for example, of how big of a ripoff of this film is of Emperor's New Groove, and I'm, and I'm completely saying this, I think they ripped off even to the point where he takes cucumbers off of his eyes. And he's like, oh, the beginning when he's getting his spa treatment. I can picture Couscous doing that perfectly to a T. (laughs) And I liked, at one point, I looked up who the voice actor who was Jesper was, and I was like, oh, I wish it was David Spade. And then I was like, oh, that's just Emperor's New Groove. It's just a full (laughs) circle every time. (laughs) And the thing is, you said you liked the voice cast. I specifically do not like Jason Schwartzman. I don't that's, like him in anything. That's very fair because Jesper is the weakest of the voice cast to me. He is the I worst like character. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just a, that's the thing too. I like Klaus. I cannot defend Jesper as a character. No, he's the main terrible. character is not likable. That's completely true. I will completely concede that. Man, um, the whole time, like he's, you're like, why would this nice teacher lady want this spineless, weird little man? <laughs> Yeah, and why would this right. old toy maker who cares about children collaborate with this <laughs> dickhead? <laughs> well, even that's financial incentive. He's like, yeah, I'll mail it for free. Which technically means that the post office didn't make any fucking money. That's good. He's doing all the labor for free. <laughs> the post office, the, the military post office complex did not make profit. Off Wait, of hold it. on. One second. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do some simple math right here using okay. just Klaus movie knowledge. At the end of the movie, okay. it's revealed that he said he does 14,000 pieces of mail times mm-hmm. one cent, which is what he says it costs. Yeah. He made $140. Hey, maybe, maybe in that time, you know, inflation. $140. <laughs> the whole climax of the film, the whole point of the film is the post office making $140. But hey, if we're in this uh, undetermined period of, say, like, 1400, 1500, 1600, some, yeah. somewhere in those centuries, obviously. Probably a lot. Take <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably a, a lot, decent though. amount. It's not a lot, but it's more. I mean, okay, look at it this way. <laughs> we live in a, a, The government told me that $600 was enough for me to live month to month. So $140, <laughs> yes. it's like 25% of that. So hey, at bad. least they got to send each other mail. <laughs> <laughs> With us, yeah. Uh, did you did you think this was a uh, this out here? Did you think this was mailman propaganda? Because I remember before you'd watch that was the that joke. <laughs> but yeah, no, I disagree. Yeah, I, I, think I don't think so. It was the decision made in a boardroom after the script was written. I think that maybe it was supposed to be like a military general or or something like that, and they're like, you can't do military. 
can't do cops. Find Militarize some the ground. post office. <laughs> yeah, no, and you can't go private corporation either. Yes, you have to yes, find yes. it. The fact that it was the post office felt very market researched. Mm-hmm. It was like people like the post office. I mean, oh, we could do a movie where they colonize. We've seen companies colonize. We've seen armies colonize. What if the post office colonized? <laughs> yeah. What if I, USPS took over, I don't know, the Philippines? I don't yeah, know. that's what I mean. What if the Dole Fruit Company took over Hawaii? Well, you can't do that. That's what happened. That's not a movie. There is like, I like the thing is part of me wants to like make the argument like, well, the people there were miserable. And like, you know, there was like infighting. But that's like, literally like, how. That the, that's the exact colonizing argument. Hey, hey you also might have done the Iraq war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I completely, I was like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wait, but it, things were bad there. And I went, oh, dated. How bad? Step back they didn't know how to read or write, but they didn't need to read or write. They just they hated each other eternally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was just division, which that happened. Then they everywhere. started hating everything else. I mean, I guess they're better off for it. Yeah. But it sure The children seems... at least seem better off for it. Um... Yeah, yeah, they got toys out of it. So, yeah. so that's what the movie's about. Would you rather have no toys and no capitalism? <laughs> toys and capitalism. Look, I would take toys with capitalism with no toys and no capitalism. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the that's choice we make me. every day, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just me, personally. I do think... So, like, yeah, this definitely isn't a kid's movie. It definitely has the makings of, like, this, like, sort of, like... It's trying to... I guess it's going for, like, this quirky, creative Santa origin story. But the issue, as we said earlier, I thought, like, just... There's so much fat. Like, get rid of it. I don't care about... Are we on cons now? Yeah, we'll go to cons Yeah, we might as well. The families... I think Jason wants to talk about cons. Yeah. The family stuff (laughs) is stupid. Like, you can make them, like, maybe angry and, like, irritable people without, like, a weird faux family Romeo and Juliet, you know, Capulet, Montague, whatever. I would watch that movie if it was its own movie. If it was just a movie about two wacky, weird fighting families. In the North, And maybe it gave them different colors to wear so I could tell which one was which. The main difference between them was, uh, again, I'm pretty sure this is right. The crumbs were redheads. And the... (laughs) I'm 100%. I'm not even messing with you. The Ellingbones are uh, black hair. And the dumbest part about their beef is that immediately when they come together one is obviously smarter than the other and they're constantly making jokes about it i'm like they're saying things like how haven't we beaten you and i'm just like why was i supposed to believe this feud in the first place what is going on i i I don't know it was just one of those that is one of those in-betweener things i feel like where it's like they still want to make the movie like marketable children because like you know it was an incredibly boring film i couldn't imagine a child like investing themselves in it like i I guess children like animation more than adults typically that's Mm -hmm. like it or at least that's the way it's been marketed and you could talk about like obviously animation does not make a film worse than a live action film but there is a certain like side thing there where you were taught as a kid that like animation is a child's thing and then live action is an adult thing mm-hmm. um and because of that they need to kind of cater to children too for people to watch the movie and because of that you wind up with things like that where you know you have the two feuding families which seem kind of just like thrown in there you have like the character pumpkin who just kind of like you know set like it's like the giant person that 
the giant uh girl that's just like mine mine you know that one mm. that like is constantly trying to like steal like grab people and like crush them or whatever the big oh, characters I, I, I kept yeah. being like, where did they come from? Where was this all movie? Are they super? Are they children? Why are they so big? And it's just, here's two huge kids. They are the main antagonist at the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah. These big ass kids. And somehow, uh, what is it? One act of kindness spurs another? Is that why? Yeah, is that what, that what is constantly? Another maybe, but like, yeah. that's the... And, and that reminded me of, uh, yeah, there's a saying that is the exact opposite of that, that is actually <laughs> used in real life. It's like, no, no good deed goes unpunished. Yes, yes. That's what I, that's, so I was like, okay, they're trying to do a play on words with the no good deed goes unpunished things. But one of, once again, one of these moments in the film that you're supposed to care about is like the two fat kids hugging each other at the end and it's like the Ellingbow crumb thing is squashed thank god and it's just <laughs> they're the bad guys fuck them i wish they would have died like, what are we like i don't care that they're together i don't care they do they're definitely I, when i saw them i was like this is a visual gag they're big and it's like oh like you know it felt like That's they it. only did it so that they could do the one cool thing that they did with it when the big girl gets on the sled and rides it like a skateboard. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was only, pretty fun. <laughs> that was the only cool thing they did with it. Otherwise, yeah. it was just, here are these mutants. We refuse to explain them. <laughs> and this here is the, the climax of the film. This really just shows the um, anti-mutant bias we can we consistently see in the media, you know. <laughs> Days of future past has taught us nothing. Yeah, exactly. No, um, and I bet if this was a real film, um, <laughs> the reason for the Crombos and the Ellingbos being so decrepit and feuded against each other is because the post office took all their resources and pit them against <laughs> each other like the CIA. Where's that prequel? <laughs> that is true i i don't i again like i said like it seems like the idea now is that they're fighting over something silly or something that's been like long forgotten and they're just kind of still fighting i would 100 yeah. percent like to know where did this all start that's the next move for this film it yeah. would be to dive into that they're trying to do a despicable me they're like oh look at these minions oh we're not gonna make a whole franchise about them wait bang wait. 75 minions movies i think Hang on. I think the co-creator of Despicable Me made this, actually. What? I wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Just on. based off the design of the Croms and the Ellingbows, they seemed very yeah. Despicable Me-ish. Very Gru-like. Yes. Very, yeah, very, very much. They were oblong and weird-looking and gray. Yeah. Very gray. Mm-hmm. I, I would have, I needed some more color in the film, too. Like It, it was a me, rather, like, desaturated gray. film, color-wise. Yeah. Real, real oh, quick, in though, the... So Sergio Pablos is a Spanish animator, director, and screenwriter. While at the helm of his company, uh, Spa Studios, Pablos developed several concepts for animated feature films, most notably the original ideas upon which Despicable Me and Smallfoot were produced in or mm-hmm. and Smallfoot were based. Most recently, the Spa Studios the Spa Studios has produced Netflix's first original animated feature film, Klaus, written and directed by Pablos. So this he's been aroused. First... 
this is their first original, like, I think like, in-house, essentially. Like, mm. Netflix put the money up and said, Spa Studios to make this. You see yeah, how much versus, money? like, buying a film that I had been made or I something. I saw how much money uh, on IMDb. How much? 40 mil to produce Wait, this. Wait, what? This is a 40, I guess the, I, that's weird. If you no, gave me $40 million, dollars, I could take over a fucking country. <laughs> they, that they, makes no sense to me because I, like i said i thought the animation was like low budget but it was like art housey you know resources yeah yeah i don't know about art housey exactly yeah, no like, it wasn't I, even that top tier i, I mean, like in the yeah, sense I, it was like you I, it felt like a small it felt small budget the whole film feels low budget mm-hmm. in terms of yeah, it's like that's what I charm thought. that's part of the charm i thought was like it felt like a low budget film with like a bold narrative choice or whatever but 40 mil for what voice <laughs> voice actors i guess plus Rashida netflix Jones probably marketed the shit out of it because i've netflix never heard of this film until you guys like, told me about it is it the oscar yeah. budget because netflix netflix has been doing that where they always try and release the film and push it hard for the oscars to help get more publicity for the films I, on the platform i can't even explain man i mean it reminds me of uh, uh that reminds me a bit like less so than two hearts but Two Hearts was a movie oh, I talked about on the, like the half and half podcast before we actually mm-hmm. did before I started this one, and it it looks super amateurish and there like there was clearly no thought put into casting like scripting anything. <laughs> it's directed by a producer of the movie, mm. and I was like, so this is a this is like what like a two million dollar movie, it's fifteen million dollars and it looked awful, and it, I I watched it in theaters. It was terrible. Um, how could it's 100 that was a money laundering scheme like like it was just like 15 million oh we spend all of that yeah we spent all that i sure. feel like they tried like yeah this movie somebody you guys liked this movie you guys I didn't did, yeah. hate it i, I mean it, yeah. i thought uh, it was pretty solid personally but yeah, yeah. i mean and 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 I, like i'm a writer i write movies uh i've never made one but that's the coming idea up of sitting down and writing this, it didn't feel like, I guess that's kind of my beef with big budget films is that I guess it's not all coming from one mind. Everything is like storyboarded and in a writing room. It's like where, a lab basically. Where it's broken up into film. like, all right, there's this plot, there's this plot, there's this plot. How do we bring it all together? And you come up with all these solutions. Yeah. And then once you have one, you're like, this is what we're going to do. And it I mean, just yeah, felt we're... like too much. I was going to say, for example, uh, the next James Bond movie has like seven writers attached to it. It's like what? seven writers? Yeah. yeah. It's like, which by the way, that makes me say like, oh, I do not have confidence in. Well, Dino the Spectre was garbage, so I'm not feeling too yeah. good. I've never yeah. seen a Bond. You've never seen a Bond, really? He doesn't interest me. That's, in, okay. That's um, fair. He's just a rich white spy who fucks everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I, uh, any. Casino Royale and Skyfall are good. I will say that. A lot of those movies like that are just like. Here's a guy. This is his stuff. Like Indiana Jones, James Bond, never been my cup of tea. I'm not a franchise guy. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let me let me ask this real quick, Jason. Um, and I do want to talk about a little bit about the uh, indigenous people and the representation of them. Oh boy. Because that would be a con for me. They were white but, um, too. That was a big yeah, con. Yeah. That'd be a con for me. But um, <laughs> the let me ask what like genre of film and like what is like typically your wheelhouse i'm just curious i see uh so this is such a c word answer it's a it's so cunty <laughs> what i'm about to say is that <laughs> go ahead you can find pleasure 
in anything that is either extremely good or extremely bad. Yeah. When something is like dead in the middle is when I hate it. Okay. This movie was, it wasn't tremendously bad, but it wasn't bad enough to entertain me. And it wasn't really good. And it wasn't really good enough to entertain me. Mm. It was somewhere in the middle like amorphous you couldn't tell what genre this movie was you could just kind of tell it was christmas you couldn't tell if it was supposed to be funny or if it was just a straight up story but then sometimes they're trying to be funny the types of movies i watch I, I'm, I'm really in the 80s movies nowadays um mm-hmm. but I, I i'm very i'm artsy fartsy i like what's the best movie i've seen recently best modern movie i've seen recently was knives out it was a great yes, movie. Yes, I love it. It's a great that. movie. That, yeah, that's great. great movie. Um, kept me on. If you can, if you can keep me on the edge of my seat and interested, Engaged, especially yeah. with you see how critical I am. I if yeah, you can keep yeah. me involved, ten out of ten. And then, like, you, something special about that is that none of the twists or takes feels cheap. It all feels mm-hmm. earned. And like is that Stryan Johnson his writing and his directing is just so good in that. Mm-hmm. Is that like, you know, every single time where you think it's going to go one way and he winds up turning it, you're not like, okay, he's just doing this. It's like, no, this makes sense. Yeah. This is good. And it's also obviously a throwback to um, the type of 70s type yeah, of clue. history movies. Clue. It's Clue. Yeah, exactly. It's basically just Clue. I liked Clue. I liked Clue. If you've ever seen the VHS with the alternate endings, we used to watch I've that as that. a family. Oh, that's cool. They got four different yeah. endings because then you don't know which Clue it is. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah, and you can watch along. And then if you saw it in theaters, you could see different endings too. Yeah, it, clues. It cool about that. Yeah. Um, but really you yeah, know, I like all sorts of movies. Uh, I like, I'm pretty all over the place. I like really bad movies too, like Howard the Duck. Too. Have you yeah. ever seen Howard the Duck? I Horrible. Have seen, I've seen Howard the Duck. It is awful and it's beautiful. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm all over the place. There was just. Uh, this movie was too much in the middle, too much middle ground. Uh, you couldn't, it never picked the lane. It never was like, we're all in here. It always yeah. felt like one foot in, one foot out. Santa can't be funny. Jesper's a pussy. Uh, <laughs> the teacher's like mean. Like, I, I didn't need any of that. I, I, and, and I guess my beef with it is because I just got done watching all the cl- like classic like Christmas movies, oh, um, like for Rain some reason. Type stuff. If you have a Roku, if you yeah. look, if you look for like Frosty the Snowman mm-hmm. or like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, it's all like these like purchase options. But for some reason, on the Roku, on the Fortnite channel, they're just uploading all these classic movies, <laughs> and all these little kids are 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 putting up no scopes, and then like like nineteen seventies animated cartoons without any commercials. <laughs> So I just watched all of them, and like, how much Thanks, do you Fortnite. remember about Frosty the Snowman? Wait, what was that? How much do you remember about the movie or like the thing Frosty the Snowman? Um, I remember liking it as a kid. I don't remember. I just remember the basic idea. Yeah. yeah. It is a twenty-two minute thing. It is not <laughs> oh, a whole wait. movie. Is it twenty-two minutes? Long? It's like a, yeah, it's like an animated short, almost yeah. like a That's short insane. film or something. That's I incredible. couldn't believe it. I watched probably all of the movies, all of the Christmas movies, in the same amount of time it took for this Christmas movie. Wow. Well, you they would, used to just be specials, basically. You, but yeah, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is like 45 minutes. Like yeah. <laughs> the one with the heat miser and all them, that's like 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is 96 minutes 
you never hear the the santa you never see the reindeer fly you never see any of the joy you just see these like desperate pauper like children that have never <laughs> seen a toy before and this colonization narrative i mean it wasn't for me but it's for someone everything's yeah. for someone yeah of course yeah I mean, like it I, felt I, like I, a deconstructed Christmas, if I had to explain it. Like they took all the elements and kind of took it down to like a really basic level. I really hated yeah. Jasper. I like I really did. Yeah, he like kind of he is a buzzkill. Smug yeah, was kind of the worst. Smug, snarky. He he felt like he was written by 35-year-olds. That's the thing. The whole <laughs> movie fair. reeked yeah. of being voiced like, by Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> yeah, just and just another smug, another smug guy. I think. The whole movie reeked of like it, it, it felt crowd not crowdsourced market researched it felt mm-hmm. not pure it needed an angle it needed somebody with a vision to be a part of it in some way it felt like a bunch of pieces thrown together mm. oh aiden's dead i see him talking we can't hear you aiden yeah you're dead Oh no! Aiden died. Aiden died. Everyone. Uh, so yeah. Now, did you have a movie you want to talk about now that Aiden's dead? Yeah. I'm back. I'm back. Okay, um, never mind. Uh, I was. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, you guys are so quick to. David can't talk about National Treasure now. Yeah. <laughs> what I was gonna say, like, it's interesting you said the thing about like how it feels like market research and things like that, because that to me is the biggest problem with Netflix movies in general. It's a, yeah, it's a uh, Netflix-wide issue. They occasionally do strike gold where they get, like, a really good director, a really good filmmaker. But usually, like, there are movies like um, – I watched uh, Devil All the Time. And that was a – it's Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård. It's a really good cast, right? Never really seen. good cast, yeah. And a lot of the performances are very good. Sebastian Stan's in it as well. And um, that was something that felt like to me that they were like, we want to win an Oscar this year. Yeah. So let's let's gather all these actors that are like getting a lot of Academy buzz that people really like and like, you know, the general audiences of America also gravitate to. Let's take this book about like the ter- how terrible things happen in the South. And then let's make this dramatic movie and everything. Yeah, that's basically Oscar ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except the movie's only like oh like I, even calling it okay is kind of generous it's just it's it's it, like that it, hillbilly it, movie they just released hillbilly elegy yes it's the exact same problem where i just i haven't watched elegy yet i saw the trailer it looks, i can't I, I, would never. I can't sit there <laughs> um where it, just, had... I, I, it gave me nothing it gave me <laughs> like it i just i i you, like Robert you watch the movie I like but that's it. Yeah, I, I watched the movie and then i walked away from it like all right that was like two and a half hours of my time i'll never get back <laughs> That was fine. Yeah, like I was like, that was I fine, think, I guess, but whatever. Like you touch on like I don't know. So Netflix is like to me, I think the like original Netflix original movie. It was the one Idris Elba was it about like the child soldiers in Africa. I forget what it was yeah, called. Um, yeah, but that, that movie <laughs> but I do remember people saying that movie was actually really good. And like that movie, like the cast was basically Idris Elba and then the kid was also really good, whoever they cast to play the kids mm-hmm. to child soldier. And that movie got Oscar buzz or whatever, but I don't think. And I it remember people were nominated because the Academy yeah. still wasn't 
like open to right. online distribution. And people were legitimately upset because they said Idris Elba did a really good job. The kid did a really good job and something should have gotten out of that. And it feels like ever since then, Netflix has been like, we're going to keep banging on the door of the Oscars until they give us one. And Absolutely. it feels like they basically take like 50 shots. It's like, you know, it's the... uh it's what I call the J.R. Smith principle. You just keep shooting, and eventually <laughs> yeah. it will go in. Klaus might win. Klaus might win in Oscar. Oh, it was from 2019. It, oh, it lost the Toy Story it, 4. It, yeah. Oh, good. I thought... <laughs> good. It doesn't deserve win. anything. I thought <laughs> that it would win something because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes. If it was eligible for this period, it might take something home based off everyone else dying. <laughs> yeah, is, no, I looked is, up the I am going to have a, an Oscars episode eventually where I talk about nominees and just like how the process and everything, and then I'll react to winners and such too. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, though, this is like the worst year to have an Oscars episode because there's going to be like five movies. Yeah. And like that, like it's going to be like, all right, these are these five movies that came <laughs> out uh, Sonic the Hedgehog for Best Picture. <laughs> Saw Let's go. <laughs> Saw yeah. that terrible film. I, could, I, could I love it. Sonic the Hedgehog. I took my nephews to do that, but that was just straight up just product placement right in my arm. <laughs> I, so I actually have a question. So uh, the original Sonic design, that mm. the one that everyone hated, they designed him with Puma shoes because Puma had the deal to be the shoe. But in the redesign, they took them away. Does he wear like branded sneakers in the one that actually came out? I have no just... idea. I didn't. I missed that because there were so many LG appliances in the home <laughs> they lived in. Wait, what's going? Here's something that'll blow your fucking mind if you yeah. didn't already know it. Did you know that before he was president, Ronald Reagan was the spokesperson for General Electric? Really? I knew. Look, I know he's an actor. So much so that he lived in a house built by General Electric. Filled entirely with futuristic General Electric technology. I'm talking like you push a thing in the wall, a thing opens, and it's like a microwave. And he lived there. They gave him the house for about ten years. That's absurd. He lived in like a Truman Show house. (laughs) No, that's like crazy. That's like if you've ever seen Community, the guy who who acts like Subway, the franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he he acts like a Honda CRV or whatever. Yeah, in the later season. Ronald Reagan was that for General Electric (laughs) when General Electric was at its height. He was General Electric. He was. He lived in a house. Look up the Ronald Reagan General Electric house. Could could you imagine anything more dystopian than that? More dystopian? I could. I could imagine that that guy becomes president. And then his economic policies dictate everything about my life. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, the the path that, like, you take from, like, you are, like, the mascot of a company and then you become president. Like, that's so dystopian. Like that's Imagine being General Electric. How bad they were busting nut in their pants. That's like Jared from Subway becoming president. Uh, He unfortunately went. He went the, he went another direction. Hey, some pedophiles go to jail. Some pedophiles become presidents. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was going to say, I think Subway would kind of be like, look, we don't associate with President Fogel, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, but But General Electric managed to get every contract in the world. He also was the guy who orchestrated the Red Scare. Yeah. Uh, Reagan. You know the Hollywood blacklists? That's right. He was the head of the uh, Screen Actors Guild. He was the president of their union who outed everybody. He was the SAG. 
he outed everybody to the CIA. He was a CIA <laughs> asset. He admitted oh to it. God. It's all all the fire. All the files are there. But I That's came on right. here to talk about Klaus, and this is part <laughs> of why I hate Klaus <laughs> because it's a reminder of my shitty, shitty life and the existence I live in. Of Ronald so, We're we're getting up there in time, so I want to touch on like one last thing, and then kind of just give like a final thought thing. Yeah. It is like the uh, Sami people in the movie, which are real indigenous people in a uh, Nordic region. Are they white? Um, they are white, yes. They are white, like the children. Yes, they are. Um, the the thing that was uh, very interesting to me is when they first put the Sami kid in there, I was like, okay, this could go one of two ways. This could go, okay, that's a cool bit of representation, or they could, like, exploit this somehow. And then I mm -hmm. went, oh, they're kind of exploiting this because they become Santa's elves. <laughs> Just like... They literally exploit them. Yeah, the they literally really, explore them. They become sweatshop workers, essentially. They literally Immediately become sweatshop for... workers. We don't even see a conversation when that happens. Nope. They just, nope. yep, you're working for Santa now. Which, which yep. is kind of a grim idea because, like, they're just like, oh, yeah, this is how this works. Like, it's because they were thrown this. in. They were yeah. thrown in at the last minute to make it not a colonization movie. But then yeah. they were like, all right, we're also colonizing the indigenous people, but they like it the same way the Ellingbos and the Croms like it. Everybody wants the post office. <laughs> they probably should have uh, at least put in a scene where they're like, I'm going to pay them. <laughs> you know? I'm gonna offer. I'm gonna give them a workers union. Yeah, I'm gonna give them the typical rights that you should get as a worker. But or we learn any of their names other than the kid. Yes. Yeah. Because the head of the of the indigenous people is in the final chase scene. He's who yes, pulls yes, up yes. with Alva in a sled. Silent. I was like, that Silent. looks exactly like Santa. And they're like, no, that's that's a different guy. <laughs> no, Santa's the guy who wears their clothing. <laughs> What makes no sense to me is clearly they took like the Christmas mythos or whatever and they took every piece of it and they tried to find some sort of like grounded origin point for it. People have always made the joke about the elves basically being glorified like magical sweatshop mm -hmm. workers. Who the fuck told them to take that part of the lore and put it in the movie? Hey, not, even... not just make them sweatshop workers, make sure they're of a different ethnicity. Yeah. And <laughs> who thought that was a good idea? Who thought I that was a good idea? As someone who even like, as again, as a whole, I was like, I enjoyed this. I was watching like any scene with the Sabi people and I was like, oh man. I was like, why are they doing who this? Who don't for remembering the name? What was that? Yeah, I'm glad they look. It's cool that they base it off a real tribe, but it makes it worse. It does make it worse because <laughs> I thought the whole thing worse. was fictional. I thought the place was fake. I thought yeah. the indigenous people were fake. I thought this happened in like an alternate reality. No, the, the Sami people are real uh, indigenous people of like the Nordic region. Do the writers them hate typically. them? They should have left them out. <laughs> <of it. laughs> The writers have some beef with the Sami because that it's it's such an inexplicable like there's a lot of stuff like you know like Jason has issues with some of the stuff and I get those this is inexplicably stupid why <laughs> yeah, is this in the absolutely. movie because not absolutely. only does since the introduction of the child does it make sense if you even peel a no. layer back so she no. shows up at the post office yeah but can't speak <laughs> she doesn't she can't speak uh, English which and she doesn't she so she doesn't know what that is yeah. And also, she doesn't interact with the other children of the town because I like they like the one like big kid that like threw a snowball at him earlier in the movie said like you know oh that's a Sami kid so I'm like okay there's like a person I missed that. there's racism <laughs> there's, like, there's, I missed like, the part where the Elling Bros and Croms were racist yeah, towards like, the indigenous kind of a, people 
racism persecution type of thing like where it's like oh we don't talk to the sami people so mm. it's like how did she hear about this be a colonial colonial story about how capitalism can build a town you have to be racist it's a part <laughs> of the story that's true there is no capitalism without racial resentment it is a key <laughs> fixture and without it, the the, the uh, yeah, they need to be in the film. I, I'm taking the complete opposite <laughs> approach because this is a critique of capitalism and why it doesn't work. <laughs> See, now, they, now need to, art, they need to right? be there for it to make sense. Wait, Jesus, yeah, you need now, to exploit somebody. I say now you see that it's art, though, right? You see, it's like capitalist it's, it's resistance hearts. Yeah, this is a great example of what resistance people think resistance art would be. If that's Pete Buttigieg made a movie critiquing capitalism, this is what it would be. Because in the it's, end, it's, the rich kid's fine, the indigenous people are exploited, and we're teaching everybody how to read and write. Would Jesper be more or less unbearable if Pete Buttigieg voiced act, voice acted him instead of James Way worse. Smith? Way worse. Yeah. Because that's, it, it reminded me, and I hope my nephew never hears this podcast, but Jesper's <laughs> attitude reminded me of when my nephew is like crying over like something that's not that big a deal. Of course, like, yeah. From the get go, something that nephew, got me. By the way, young. Yeah, he's like twelve now. But there you go. He, okay, yeah. But Jesper, like the scene that made me be like, "All right, I'm never gonna like this character," was in the very mm -hmm. beginning yeah. when he's in the uh, carriage and he's riding to norm mcdonald and he's just going oh thank you dad thanks dad. yeah yeah and yes. he repeats it like 12 times it's like I'm bro like, we get it I, I i wish someone would have shot him like right there <laughs> just been like yeah thanks dad just a straight up gavrilo gavrilo princep shoots him starts world war one and then the movie goes that direction <laughs> i mean he didn't keep you know he, i should have known something was off of he murdered a pigeon in the beginning and they just didn't care to take oh, yeah, i missed when that Remember when they show him failing all the tests? For some reason, oh, Jesper, yeah. and they do like pigeon, like like throwing it out to deliver letters. Jesper throws a pigeon out with an anvil attached to it, so that bird's oh, fucking yes. dead. <laughs> yeah, I, the one gag, the one gag I did like was in the beginning of the film where he's like, you're supposed to be an equestrian training. He's like, I've got it covered. And it's just like a dummy on a horse. That was that funny. Was funny. That I'll was take funny. that. I'll take there some was of another, that. There was a background visual gag that was really good that I don't know if you caught or not. That mm. I thought that I thought was really good. Okay. The unnecessary when, when... noose scene? <laughs> no, no, not that. There were there were two houses in the background of one of the shots in the post office, and a cannon gets rolled out of the one house, fires, and blows out the entire first floor <laughs> of the house and just falls. There I was, was like, a that's lot of funny. dumb that's stuff funny. like that. Like the lady throwing the fish mackerel over the over the sheets every morning. Yes, and like yes. stuff like that, but it, not enough of that. And yes. the new scene. Can we talk about the new scene before we finish? We can talk about the news sure. Scene. Talk about. <laughs> let's talk about the news. For no reason, another completely useless part of the film. Uh, Klaus is throwing up bird houses. Bird houses, yeah. For his his dead wife, and <laughs> he he's doing this, but we we the viewer have no idea about what is going on. Maybe so she likes he's just birds. I don't a know. Noose, which also he would not be doing if he was doing what they are presenting he is doing. And he hands the character of Jesper a noose, for which his first reaction is to put it around his neck oh. and go, kill me. Yeah, kill me. Yeah, just do whatever you want with me. Yes. And then <laughs> Klaus takes it off, throws it over the tree, and somehow that makes a, a birdhouse happen. 
And there is a like a 20 second shot where it's just a zoom in on the noose. And my girlfriend audibly went, oh, what is this? What is this? <laughs> yeah. I felt that Valid. weird. I 100% felt that too. I was like, that's It was just weird. unneeded tension. Why did linger yeah. on it too? It would have been a better movie if Santa hung him. At least I would have been interested. <laughs> Claus is actually a murderous Santa. It's like, um, oh, it's they show him so night. scary in the beginning. So why not? Like, uh, make it like Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is like a movie about a killer Santa, I believe. I think it's Silent Night, Deadly Night. Or it's, no, Santa Claus, which is C L A W S. Yeah. That's a B horror movie about a killer Santa Claus. I mean, yeah, maybe Santa's wife died and he hates the world, so now he, he, you know, he's going on a revenge tour. Just tons of that. Just tons of lingering on the axe. They zoom in on Santa at one point, and he's just got a knife on his on his jacket, <laughs> yes, and it's yes. just like, are is he gonna do violence ever? Are we gonna ever see the violence you're building up to? Because right now he's brandishing nooses, he's carrying around axes, he's got a knife on his chest. And it's just may like, I say though too, how like it would have been pretty cool to see Santa just straight up stab someone, right? Yeah. Like it would have been pretty cool. Like, Especially with the different. animation. Like, why not? Yeah. If the cat if the straw if the whatever, the crumbs and the Ellingbows can shoot each other in the fucking head and fall <laughs> off. Santa can this. certainly get it on the action. Yeah, why not? A little gore. Add a little gore to this PG <laughs> film. I mean we are G for gore. Head. Yeah, Plenty of gore. Fish gets PG. head cut off and cut open, and you know like, <laughs> that would have been foreshadowing for Santa doing yeah. that to a person. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, to I wrap think up. Uh, to wrap it up because we're getting to the time where you know we're mm, it's yeah. like an hour long. So, um, thank you, Jason, for coming on. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about Klaus and you know what you <laughs> thought about it? I would recommend this movie to my mother. Okay. <laughs> Not to my nephews. <laughs> I feel like maybe my 60-year-old mother would like this film if she drank like a glass of wine with it. I don't think uh, I would ever watch this film again unless to make fun of it and point out its flaws to others. Uh Um, Other than that, uh, no, I've got nothing. I've said I never have to talk about this movie again. (laughs) Uh, I give it um, one out of five bags of popcorn. Uh, one one out of five stars. It was a twenty percent movie on on the tomato meter. I got no use for it. Vasant, how about you? Yeah, so like obviously I leaned a bit more positive, but I think the the like some of the stuff we outlined is what stopped it. Like I thought it was it was I thought it was like yeah it was creative. There's interesting stuff going on. There is some of that magic sprinkled throughout, but. I think ultimately in trying to be bold and creative, they do too much. And then they do there's stuff. They definitely shouldn't have done period. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and I think that's the problem is I would never rewatch this. I would probably say, yeah. yeah, if you're interested in watching like a kind of like different and like bizarre sort of Christmas movie <laughs> that you might like go watch Klaus. But the problem is it's just like the rewatchability that's it's, it's, it's good, but not good enough to be like, Oh, this is like a Christmas movie. That's in my rotation for the holidays. Mm. So I'll give it a three out of five uh, hanging jespers. Mm. <laughs> yeah, a Christmas ornament um, that is just a noose around Jesper's neck hanging from the tree. Yeah, I yep. pretty much follow the same way. Uh, I kind of feel the same way Vasant does. I think that there are flaws. It tries to do a bit too much. Uh, but I do enjoy overall. Kind of, I do overall enjoy it. It gave me, in a weird way, that Christmas feeling 
maybe it's because I've grown so cynical over the pandemic that yeah, even, like, maybe. Seeing, like, even seeing a Christmas movie with a new snit made me go, aww. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give it a three and a half uh, out of five. Uh, mm. Three and a half um, Santa Claus, K-L-A-W-S, going on a rampage out of five. Got it. Well, well, I thank you for having me on the show. Um, I would like to come back onto Cinephile if possible, because I love talking about movies, baby. And I was curious how the hell you picked Klaus, but if, if you just say you, you picked it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Vasanth and I were just on a call and we kind of like looked at the Netflix. We looked at Netflix. And we, like, <laughs> and we were like, okay, this has like an, ad- an Academy Award nominee versus like the princess switch and or kurt russell as santa claus basically out my nephews love that shit yeah i was like this might be like less soulless than the typical netflix movie which i think it is i think it is much it has more heart than the netflix movie usually does yeah then like you know like i said vanessa and hudgens being in like the princess switch one and two yeah i couldn't and then the night yeah well it's kind of nice that we disagreed you know i think that makes for a better thing because this is the definition of not my kind of movie yeah, I, and again it's it's that's perfectly fine and like yeah. that's one of the things that like the thing that i want people to like understand when listening to my podcast if i speak negatively about a movie you like that's perfectly okay it's not an indictment on you right yeah it's just an opinion and i'd like to be future i'm not gonna go down your throat and be like you know how dare you like this that's perfectly fine you can <laughs> to disagree it, with you, know? you here i hope yeah. the listener feels bad about everything i, said. <laughs> yeah. I hope i hope you, I, even if you agree with me you should feel bad about it um. <laughs> i will say if you like cuties i'm going to bully you for it because that's, that's okay, problematic yeah, that's oh i didn't see is that the the QAnon movie the, that's the one with like the children shaking yeah the rocks. thing that got yep. all the QAnon freaks exactly. up in arms yep. yeah i did not yeah. see that i did not, I did see not that. i didn't that watch it but the fact that it exists and if you do watch it you're weird man invite do me it. back on and i will give us a movie to watch i'll, I'll try to i'll try to find one that maybe i like that maybe you guys wouldn't like <laughs> okay that's interesting or or, like or i'll go with one that i think i'll like like something i'm yeah. looking forward to that's okay. that's it yeah. that'll be interesting I, I i i would like that definitely mm. all right well thank you everybody for listening once again jason thank you for being on basan thank you for also being of course. on today of course uh i had a great time talking with you and i hope you all enjoyed listening and uh Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whichever other thing you celebrate or do not yep. celebrate. I hope you have a great week either way. P- drink a cold Sprite cranberry on us. That's true. That's drink not a bad sprite idea. Cranberry. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one.